Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. Personal Finance is brought to you by Discovery Bank. The future of banking now. Warren Ingram on a Thursday night. He is a personal financial advisor. He is a director at Galileo Capital. He is stirring a pot and that pot is bubbling this evening with contention around whether or not you should be investing in retirement annuities or something else. I mean, the world of investments is huge, diverse, varied, challenging, scary, and I hope that we're not going to cause more confusion tonight, Warren, by challenging this idea that perhaps uh, retirement annuities are not the be-all and end-all of investments. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we, um, we're not stirring the pot. I, th- I think the, 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 this topic comes up because so many people, when I speak to them about you know, investing and, 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 and what they should be doing, if they're not at retirement stage, the, the, the kind of big concern is, should I put my money into a retirement annuity still? I'm really worried that you know, I can't access the money before I'm 55. Um, you know, I'm really worried that I can't get enough access to overseas markets because th- this regulation 28 limits how much I can put, uh, you know, in, into offshore markets within my retirement fund. And, and so a lot of people I've noticed are either cancelling their contributions or, or radically reducing them. And, and I, think it's, I think it's just a case of being able to say, I'm not sure that that's the right uh, strategy. I think actually you need to understand that there's some real benefits to your, your retirement fund. And actually that you should rather, um, you know, strike a balance, do, do a portion in your retirement fund and do a portion in something else like a tax free. But don't avoid retirement funds now because of, of I think, two reasons. One, uh, what's gone on politically in South Africa and people have been worried about uh, not being able to, to access the money. And, you know, we've had bad economic policies you know, under the Zoom administration. And then, and then secondly, we've had a decade of, of really lousy growth. Uh, and, and, you know, as that turns now, you know, hopefully that argument gets a bit better. But I, f- I feel that those are the two big reasons that investors have been avoiding retirement funds. And I just think it's, it's, it's a real mistake. I mean, that 55 uh, issue is, is, I mean, there's a reason why. I think 55 is too low. I, I, I would like to see that raised, get me myself into trouble. But I mean, you know, the fact that you can, ret- I mean, 55 feels like the sort of uh, an age that was put in place 30 or 40 years ago uh, because life expectancies were different 30 or 40 years ago. It was a different world. Life expectancies now have been extended. And I wonder how long that 55 age has been in place. I, I think... Um I think it actually was reduced. I think in in the the early, I mean, it probably was closer to sixty five a long time ago. Okay, uh, and and so it's something. I think I don't. I, don't ha- I must say I don't really have a problem with that. I almost think. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, b- bad form to disagree with you because I know you're going to beat me later. But I almost think we, we might actually help the the argument uh, around retirement funds if we say maybe 50, you know, age 50, and, and maybe you can't access all your money at age 50, but, but maybe, you know, to, to do it gradually and say age 50, then 55, and then 60, and then, you know, you can access completely at age 65 onwards. But, but I think, uh, you, you know, there, there, there are just so many great benefits with retirement funds that people tend to forget. But if you let's, let's get to let's get to benefits. Sorry, let's get to benefits in just a moment. I want to argue this point. I mean, it's a retirement. <laughs> it's a, it's not a petty cash tin. It's not money that you're putting aside to buy a car. 
It's not money that you're putting aside for your kids' university. It is a retirement annuity. It is a retirement fund. It is money that is intended for retirement. You are given a great big fat tax incentive, um, uh, you know, to to do this thing. Um, it's it's not it's not intended for anything else other than this idea of retirement. And if we accept that most people are probably going to retire in the private sector anyway, retire later than um, than their parents did, uh, then you're going to need some capital. You're going to need some cash. And the longer you can leave it growing, surely the better. 100%. And, and I think that, the, you know, the the, the, the logic of, of, of moving that potentially access to retirement funds slightly earlier is... I think we've got the psychological impediment. I think there's a, a you know this disincentive that people see this age 55 as as such a huge obstacle that that that's the the, the reason why they don't add money to their retirement funds or why they avoid contributing any money at, at all to retirement funds. And, and so I think, uh, I mean, certainly we don't really want pe- people to touch that money, you know, and, and you know, hopefully late 60s and, and onwards. But at the same time. If this is a real impediment, if this access and liquidity is a big issue, then make the investments slightly more liquid, so slightly more accessible, not saying that, that you access all the money. But, but it's one of those things where if you tell me I can't access my own money, you know, that, that sort of mentality, then I'm just going to put my money elsewhere where I can access it in, yeah. at any time. The fact that I get a lot of benefits by putting the money in the retirement fund, a lot of people just forget that and, and they, they discount it. So, so I think it's 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 um, you could accuse me of marketing, I guess. You know, to, to say to people, well, you know, if we can help you with the, the liquidity issue somewhat, you know, will you put more money in retirement funds? And hopefully, the fact that they can access it doesn't mean they will. Uh, but but I I just think we've got this huge undersaving issue, and you know, to give people less reasons uh, to to kind of stop saving and more reasons to save is is maybe better than just saying sorry you can't access because I mean, let's face it, someone who's 30 or 35 years old, you, you know, the concept of, of retirement at 55 for them, it's it's kind of two lifetimes away, you know, just emotionally and psychologically, it's just so far away. Um, and, and trying to bring that age earlier, just, uh, um, I think it might help from a sales point okay. of view, if nothing else. All right. Okay, so the other big one then is Regulation 28 of the Pension Funds Act, which says um, certain percentages of money must be invested in South Africa. A certain percentage can be invested offshore. One of the great criticisms of South African pension funds is that a a minority of the amount of money that you put away for your retirement can be invested offshore. And particularly in the last decade, you've become poorer and poorer and poorer and poorer in, in dollar terms as a result of the considerable underperformance of the JSE versus, versus other markets? A, a, a very fair point and, and a, a, a real concern. So, so I, I think, you know, to, you know anyone uh, who, who kind of wants to stand up and say, no, you know, being in the JSE over the last decade was a great call compared to just the world index, uh, there, there's no argument, there's no, there's no context. I, I think, or, or no contest, I should say. But, but I think the big issue is, does that cycle repeat itself in the in the decade ahead? And and I'm not convinced. I think that's a mistake that we make as human beings. Is whatever happened over the last you know one year or five years, we believe will repeat itself in the year ahead and the next five years ahead. And, and I think that's the big mistake for me. Is that that, that uh, it's very likely that emerging markets we've already seen this first year of, of kind of great uh, growth from from South Africa and other emerging markets. 
And so but there's also, in the, in the same way, and just to be careful, there's no guarantee that it repeats or even guarantee that it sticks or any guarantee that it stays. And um, when we look at certainly the wage demands of public servants of inflation plus 4% um, and other issues, uh, and I mean, you know, pessimists will throw a multitude of, of, of problems at you and expect you to find the solution. But, but people are very skeptical about South Africa's turnaround. Agreed. And and so uh, I guess two comments. One, let's understand how much overseas allocation you are getting now in your retirement fund. And and secondly, the, the, I'm not I'm in, in no way arguing that the, the amount is correct. Now, I think, uh, you know, if it's 30 percent that we're allowed to invest offshore uh, inside our retirement funds, uh, we, we must just remember that on top of that, uh, you know, let, let's say the four big shares on the JSE are pretty much all rand hedged, pr- pretty much all operate outside of South Africa. You know, so so despite the crazy demands of our public service servants and and non-delivery of services and you know bad p- political policy implementation or economic policy implementation, those four companies are largely unaffected. So. If someone's got the maximum they can have in in shares in a retirement fund, which is seventy five percent, and and they've got the maximum offshore, the likelihood is about fifty percent of that is probably uh, either directly offshore or rand hedged. So so you're sitting on a balance of about fifty fifty you know, SA assets, non SA assets in your retirement fund. Uh, however, I do think you know we should say to retirement funds, you're allowed to go to to a maximum of fifty percent offshore and fifty percent local, because that's in truth that's the, actually all we need. We we don't need more than that. You know, we do need to have some exposure to to South African assets. And ask any foreign uh, investor in cash or foreign bonds, and they'll tell you they're only too happy to buy a South African money market fund or a South African bond where you can actually earn real interest. You know, and I think that's something people are missing out on as well. And, and but yeah, so that is absolutely true. But also, we are half a percent of the world economy, less than half a percent of the world economy. And to think that you can, um, you know, compete globally in terms of any savings that you have one day, um, and you know, because you are going to be subjected to global forces, whether it be oil prices or import uh, inflation or whatever it might be, you're nuts because we are a tiny part of the global economy, and we need to, we must diversify. And and so, how then? Do we get this right, Warren? Because we we must we want to get the maximum incentive uh, benefit that we can from the the leeway SARS gives us. We, so we want to get as much as we possibly can, um, and we want SARS to give us as much back as possible. At the same time, we don't want to be investing just in these in, in these products. So um, we we go we, you know we feel like sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place. So 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 then uh, you know j- jump off the rock and get onto a tightrope and and strike the balance. And and so sorry that the that was quite that was quite good. Jump off the rock, <laughs> jump onto a tightrope, and strike the balance. Have you used that before? Did that just come to you in a moment of in, in an epiphany? Yeah, I've, I've got to brace my game. I've got to you know you've, you've given me a good challenge. I've got to find a way to get get, get in there. Uh, so so no off the cuff. Uh, so, so I think uh, to, to me, if someone's got, uh, let's say they've got six or seven thousand rand a month to save, I, I would say. Do, do half of that in your tax-free savings. So, you know, do your 3,000 rand a month into your into tax-free savings. And and in, inside that, you could choose a world index. 
you know, so 100% globally exposed, very little exposure to, well, almost no exposure to South Africa, um, and then use the balance of your savings to contribute to your retirement fund, as an example. So, so you know, this whole idea of all or nothing, you know, we can't, we mustn't put any money in retirement funds, we must put all into non-retirement funds, I don't agree with. Uh, but 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 then just do a compromise. So I always think if I'm not 100% sure of direction of markets or direction of investments, you, you know, th- th- then splitting my bets equally is ne- is never a bad idea. And I feel the same with our savings. And just as a reminder, I mean, the, the tax break we get from SARS is really significant, uh, you, you know, for contributing to a retirement fund. And, and then also once the money's invested, it, it grows there without any tax. So you don't pay income tax, you don't pay dividend tax, no capital gains tax until such time as you draw, draw the money out again. And, and then you're paying income tax only on the portion you draw out. So that tax benefit is so significant that, that actually it's very hard to find another investment that will do better that, than your, your retirement fund with the tax benefits you're getting from that. So, so I just think, you know, it bothers me that we, we, we're so absolute in the way of our thinking. You know, we've had lousy decade we've had you know lousy political leadership therefore you know all retirement funds are bad and and i just think investors are doing themselves a disservice uh, you know by following an argument like that You'd rather do 50 50 if you if you're skeptical um okay i think that uh, it's so interesting i mean i was just looking at my own retirement annuity performance today and then i was comparing uh, there's a little bit of money that goes into one fund and then most of it goes into another one and i was just looking at it going eh should have put more into the big fund, into the fund that's done better. And then you sort of get this buyer's remorse. It's but like drunk for drit. You know that you've drunk too much and uh, and you and you shouldn't have. And you go and yeah, it's not it's not helpful or productive. Um, but uh, you know the retirement annuity has been a good place to be. And and so so I mean I love I love the point right because you know to to, to use kind of the, some of the acronyms you're talking about FOMO. You know we we, we should have put more money into the thing that has grown. Uh, and so, you know, that, that's a bit like, yeah. um, you know, d- driving fast around a corner, looking in the rearview mirror, because that tells us where we've been, not where we're going. Uh, and, you know, around ra- the corner might be completely open and great, or, or you might be driving into a track. And, and so to me, you have to look forward and you have to say, okay, our, our history is important. The history of the investments, uh, especially the last 10 years, is relevant, but that it never dictates the future. It, it just doesn't, you know, okay. if... If the recent past dictates the future, the rand should be at thirty-four to the dollar now, not fourteen, whatever it is. And and so you know the, the swings are enormous with markets. And and you know don't don't pretend that we can predict. We can't. So so rather rather get a nice spread. And and at least then something's going to be working for you when other things aren't. Craig has sent an email. Craig says I'm in a fortunate position. Well, that's fortunate. I have extra money left after paying all my bills at the end of the month. Now I need to decide if I should pay off my car or add this money to my investments. That is your little challenge this evening, Warren. Our listener challenge to Warren Ingram. Answer that question, I hope, in a moment. The Money Show. Personal finance with Warren Ingram. So Craig has got a problem we wish we all had every month. Craig has extra money. Uh, He's got some money left after paying his bills and then uh, wants to do something responsible with it rather than generate more bills. Should he pay off his car or add money to his investments? And don't go 50-50 because that's not an answer. (laughs) Damn it, you've taken away my strategy. Um, I think think the answer is actually going to be determined by your interest rate, Craig. So if you're paying, 
you know, a lot of the finance institutions nowadays, when you're financing a car, they're charging, you know, prime plus three or prime plus five, you know, I mean, almost criminal rates, I think. And and so if you're in that position where, where uh, you, you know, you're paying 10 or 12% a year interest on, on your car, then I think the answer is you have to pay off your car as fast as possible. You, you know, we're, we're in an environment where, if we can get 13 or 14% growth a year from, from the stock market in, in good markets, uh, but that's always not a guarantee and, and hugely volatile, then, then to compare that to a guaranteed interest rate of 12% on your car uh, you know, that you're paying, then to me, I'd rather stop, um, you know, stop that interest compounding against me as fast as possible and therefore um, you know, you know, pay off that, 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 that interest. So, so for me, it's about the interest rate. If it's if you're paying prime, let's say you're only paying 7%, it becomes a much more interesting um, calculation now because you know, you're, you're a couple of percent above inflation. Uh, the likelihood is that you know, a decent investment portfolio should do better than, than, than your 7% interest. And, and so it might actually pay you to, to, yes, continue paying off your car, maybe pay off a little bit extra. Can't, can't say 50-50, but, uh, but, but then you can actually contribute to your investments as well. So I, I feel... Um, yeah, probably round about seven or eight percent is the maximum interest you should have on on a on on a car debt before you start saying, okay, no, I actually just need to zero this debt as fast as possible. That's very helpful, Warren. I mean, the, the again, this idea of financing motor cars, and I think there have been, especially in the hard lockdowns, there were some pretty good deals going on, and people were getting very low interest rates on on cars. And there were a couple of manufacturers, a couple of de- uh, manufacturers who were offering pretty good deals. And um, you know, for the first time ever, possibly, and certainly in recent memory, it's worth being quite aggressive when you go and negotiate a, a motor finance deal. Surely. Yep, I think uh, I think I was one of those that benefited. I'm, I'm smiling. Um, if you if you can hear it, I've got a big smile on my face. I, I managed to get a, 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 a great. But did you tell him? Did you tell anybody? Did you say, "Hey, Bruce, you know what's happening at this particular motor motor group?" Did you say, "You know, it's the best deal you've ever seen"? Did you? Did did I you? Think... Or did you after the fact say, "Oh, look what I got"? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think was uh, the tone. <laughs> I think I actually said it on air, so so I, I'm, I'm sure the, the producers can find it. But I'm but I'm pretty sure I actually owned up to it on air, uh, and I mean I think they they gave me a rate of about one point five four percent a year, not not above inflation or not above or below prime, one point five four percent a year. So it will be one of the few few times in my lifetime where I'll be I'll be a, uh, happy to finance a car. Uh, ordinarily, I think. Uh, I think we, you, you and I are on the same page on this. You know, don't finance the car. Pay it off cash if you can, uh, and and if you do have to finance the car, you know, put down the biggest deposit you absolutely can, and then and, and then pay it off as fast as possible. Or but just buy a smaller are, car. Well, that's the point. You know, I think uh, you know. I think South Africans, uh, we, we we are we are um, victims of some of the best marketing machines in the world, and that's the car manufacturers, yeah. and, and they do a great job on on telling us we need to spend a lot on cars. Final question. Final question this evening. And it's a phrase for the week. Um, I think I know the answer, but then I, as I look at the question, I go, do I really? What is an emerging market? I mean, can we still call China an emerging market, the second biggest economy in the world? It's often thrown into the emerging markets basket, which suggests to me that we no longer know what an emerging market is. It feels like a 20-year-old term. 
It's exactly right. I think it's uh, so. So, so just the, the the jargon or the the definition it relates to uh, ca- countries that are considered to still be developing. In other words, their you know their economies are growing and they're going from you know from being you know ma- maybe tiny economies to you know and relatively undeveloped. They are becoming developed, uh, and so that you know the sort of the poster poster children for for emerging markets are generally China, Brazil, India. But uh, but it's extremely hard for me to to look at uh, you know a place like China and say it is developing or it is emerging. I mean you know there is a very real chance it is the biggest economy in you know in, in a very short space of time in the world. And so how much more can it emerge before we say it's arrived? So so I think it's not just on size. I mean I think to, to be fair they'll they'll also talk about you know the the, the kind of relative economic health. Um, and development of the individuals within the country, and so there you could say, well, you know, China is a huge economy, but there are a large part of the population who are still living in poverty and you know moving their way out of poverty, and 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 definitely the same for for India and and Brazil. So so I guess it's not just size; it's about the the state of the economy as well. But but the short answer is, uh, these are stock markets related to to the, the developing economies. Uh, and and as you say, they m- might not be the smallest anymore. They they could definitely be amongst the, the the top five or six biggest economies in the world. Thank you, Warren Ingram from Galileo Capital. He is our regular Thursday night uh, personal finance advisor. He is a personal financial advisor in his day job and also a director at Galileo Capital.